Hello and welcome. I'm John Hartley, partner in the Shoesmiths Business Crime and Compliance team. Welcome to this first episode in a series of podcasts designed to give you, the listener, an overview of the current sanctions regimes in the UK and abroad. What I thought would be a very good start would be to give you, in this first episode, a brief history of sanctions and embargoes and bring you up to date as to where we are today. In this mini-series of broadcasts brought to you by the Business Crime and Investigations team, we'll explore the history and development of sanctions. And so today we will have a whistle-stop tour of the history and development of those sanctions and to give you an idea as to the enforceability and effects which have led to the development of sanctions today. Throughout history, there have been many examples of sanctions issued for many different reasons and with varying and significant degrees of success and failure. Today, in 2022, when discussing sanctions, we immediately think of Russia and Ukraine. But as I said, sanctions are not new and they are far from perfect. So, sanctions, what are they? Well, A sanction is essentially the adopted name for a non-aggressive punishment issued by one state or country against another. Supposedly, they're supposed to be non-aggressive, and they can take forms of financial sanctions, trade sanctions. And as we discuss through these series of podcasts, we'll expand on all of the different types of sanction which have developed. So to a brief history, if you don't mind indulging me, to the best of our knowledge, The earliest example of one state imposing an economic punishment on another was known as the Megarian Decree. This was issued around 430 BC, so that's some two and a half thousand years ago. This was issued by Athens on the town of Megara. Just to give you a, a, a little history lesson, this was when Greece was divided by Athens and Sparta, governed, of course, by the Athenians and the Spartans. And the decree issued by Athens was widely seen as an act of vengeance rather than a method of peacekeeping. The decree was essentially a blanket ban on the town of Megara and its inhabitants. The reason that that was enforced was because Megara had taken in refugees from Athens. And this decree banned all Megarans and their inhabitants from conducting any business with any other part of Athens and Greece. That may, of course, sound familiar as to how your understanding of sanctions has evolved today. The result, though, was that the city's economy was strangled and Megara turned to Sparta for help, which ultimately led to the First Peloponnesian War. And so you have an example of a rather overarching and far-reaching economic sanction on an entire town and its inhabitants, which led to, ultimately, a war. So that might not be the best of examples as to how a non-aggressive punishment is designed to work. In modern times, we may see that as an unsuccessful attempt to implement sanctions regimes, because we ultimately want to avoid war. And these sanctions are supposed to, of course, be a peacekeeping method and an alternative. However, the Athenians may have considered as a success. Politics of the day will always rule, so who knows. 
But let's move on to another famous historical rivalry. So let's move forward about 1,500 years. The bitter differences between the Italian cities of Pisa and Florence are going to be looked at for this example. Legend has it that in 1100, in an attempt to force Florence to surrender in one of their endless battles against each other, Pisa blockaded salt, which arrived at the port of Florence. However, not to give in to the Tuscan inhabitants, the inhabitants of Florence simply started cooking and making bread without salt. Perhaps this is another example of an utterly failed embargo and an attempt to inflict punishment on an entire population of individuals. Moving on another 800 years to wartime in Europe. In 1939, the UK introduced an act which may be the founding blocks for the current sanctions regimes we have today. The act is known as the Trading with the Enemy Act and is, of course, still in force today. Trading with the Enemy Act makes it a criminal offence to trade with the enemy of the state during a time of war. And the punishment, if you're interested, is a maximum of seven years' imprisonment and, as I said, is still in force today. The Act includes the supply of goods, transmitting money or other financial instruments, or indeed providing a benefit to the enemy. So therefore, if you consider these provisions in line with sanctions today, there is, of course, a very significant similarity. So the Second World War, following which we have the implementation and creation of the United Nations. And in modern society, the United Nations is one of the most significant gatekeepers of sanctioned regimes. The UN founded in 1945 with the mandate of promoting peace and security. The UN has 51 member states, and the organisation has the power to implement sanctions regimes of their own. And at the time of this podcast, there are 14 sanctions regimes in place by the United Nations, which address the settlement of conflicts, nuclear non-proliferation, and counter-terrorism. However, they are not without their stumbling blocks. Some of you might be aware that there are no UN sanctions against Russia or indeed China. And that's because five founding members of the UN have a permanent seat at the UN, and that allows those members to veto any resolution. And of course, those five permanent members include Russia and China. In a post-Second World War era, I suppose we can't talk about sanctions and embargoes without briefly looking at the United States regime against Cuba. The embargo against Cuba is in fact the longest-running single sanctions regime in history, and the United Nations has itself passed a resolution every year since 1992 to urge the US to end that trade embargo. However, as just mentioned, The United States is also a founding member of the United Nations, and therefore also has the power of veto. Much of what we've seen so far in those very brief examples are ones of total bans and total embargoes on trade with any particular state. You might be listening to this thinking, well, those haven't been particularly successful. And have we learned any lessons from those historical facts? Well, I consider that the sanctions world has learned lessons from those incidents and those scenarios in the past. Many would consider the greatest failure of recent times of the sanctions regimes to lead to 
what we have in place today. And that failure was indeed a creation of the United Nations themselves. In 1990, the United Nations passed a comprehensive set of sanctions against Iraq. A total and complete embargo led to one of the worst humanitarian crises in modern history. The negative issues which related to the sanctions in place on Iraq led to those serious issues, and the world learned its lesson. So now we have what are known as smart sanctions. Smart sanctions are supposed to be targeted and targeted at specific regimes, specific themes, or indeed specific individuals, with the idea still of maintaining peace and security and facilitating the global effectiveness of counter-terrorism. Until the UK's departure from the EU, we followed the EU sanction regime. And now we have the Sanctions and Money Laundering Act 2018, affectionately known as SAMLA, S-A-M-L-A. This act provides the UK the authority and power to implement sanctions against different regimes now that we have left the EU. In subsequent podcasts, I will go into more detail as to how the Sanctions and Money Laundering Act works in practice and the different sanctions regimes which have been put in place since the departure from the EU. What I'd also like to do in subsequent podcasts is discuss the smart sanctions and discuss those different themes and topics. So next time, I'll be bringing you a podcast about the current sanctions regimes which are in place and their effectiveness and how we have developed that system since leaving the EU and comparing those systems and regimes with other regimes which are in operation around the world. I hope that you've enjoyed listening and I look forward to presenting to you on the next in this series of podcasts brought to you by the Shoesmiths Business Crime and Compliance Team. Thank you.